like Wikipedia is where you go for Star Wars with no sense of humor to it. Yeah, no, well, it's just the facts, man. It's like Joe Friday's version of Star Wars. Exactly. But even if you're like, I wonder if Itchy has a background story. And it's like, yes, he was a pilot. He was respected. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> don't make fun of Itchy. We all yeah. know why you're here. And it's sarcastic and we don't like it. Yeah. You leave Itchy out of this. <laughs> <laughs> so like, this is the dumb stuff I do, right? So I'll, I'll basically start pulling on a thread in Wikipedia. And then I end up in like these like, Back, he can't. You know, he's Lucas. Yeah, he's Lucas, of course, right? But I was like, Gungi, Gung, or I'm like Grogu. For when I first heard the name, I'm like, oh, this. I'm like, that reminds me of the, the that little like Wookie Padawan's name. I'm like, what was his name? Yeah, and uh, we call and that so going then, down a Rancor hole. Yes, yeah, and it's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy, this is the next yes. episode of Is This the Way? It is. We are on. Chapter 13, The Jedi, Season 2, Episode 5. We're going to give the rundown. I'm Aaron Michael Marsh. You're Andy Leonards. And this is our podcast where we talk about everything you missed or the back history of things that happened that they just kind of breezed over as Star Wars always does. You know what we've never done on this podcast that I keep reminding myself to do? Guys, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Yeah. You know, like, of course, people. Exactly. We got some listeners. If you guys are enjoying this, rate it high. If you're not enjoying it, rate it low. But let us know yeah. that you're doing it by rating it, you know, reviewing it, subscribing to it. I mean, yeah, I think I just can't believe we've five episodes in. It's the first time we've asked them to do that. It's important. Andy, do you have any handles you want people to know about? Um, I guess uh, uh, Leonard's L-E-N-A-R-D-S on Twitter. And mm-hmm. I'm, or I'm, I'm sorry, that's my, that's my Instagram handle. And then, uh, so mm-hmm. it's L-E-N-A-R-D-S on Instagram and mm-hmm. then A Leonard's, uh, not like Fonzie or the Canadian A, but the letter mm-hmm. A on Twitter. Yeah. And you can find me at Disney plus. I run that and you can send all your things <laughs> that you're mad about right to them. No, no, it's Aaron M. Right Marsh, to... Aaron M. Marsh. I know it's that. Aaron M. Marsh across the board, Instagram, Twitter, Venmo, all of them. Yeah. You've made I it take easy. Venmo's. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the scariest thing about making that a funny thing I say on podcasts is getting random Venmos from strangers. It's just like, hey, thank you. And you go, you know, it's really uncomfortable to get $10 for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I made those pins, because it makes it not less reason. Um, okay, so let's go, let's go through the episode. Let's yeah, start what's the rundown, let's get going. Okay, the rundown, Aaron, is uh, the episode starts off with Ahsoka kicking ass immediately totally immediately kicking ass in the first scene so dave filoni's the director of this episode the creator of her and he spent no time making you wonder is she going to be in this episode you just know this is going to be her in an episode which we discussed we thought it yes. might be like luke skywalker totally in we uh, the end of chapter seven and instead it is not at all it is much like bill burr in his episode it's like oh no the whole story is going to involve ahsoka it's great she kicks ass all the way to get to the magistrate to tell the magistrate she has one day to surrender the location of her master and uh and that right like that's a good way to open it i think but yeah the person next to the magistrate uh lieutenant lang is played by a guy named michael ben michael bean do you know where you michael bean do you know where you know him from 
I do. Uh, I know Michael Bean because he was Kyle Reese sent from the future to help save Sarah Connor. And yeah, was also in Tombstone. Um, pretty accomplished actor. Uh, I had that like kind of like Spidey sense at first where I'm like, I know that guy, but I don't know where I know that guy from. And it wasn't until yeah, later the in the episode. Line, I was like, is that Woody Harrelson? And oh. then they showed his face and I was like, oh, it's not. And then I was like, but this guy is familiar and he's great. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I looked him up and he was like, oh, he's John Connor's dad. Yep. Totally. And I was like, that's crazy. Franchise I crossover. Know exactly who this guy is. He's just older. Yeah, but great. How about that? Good for him. All right. So then after we see John Connor's dad, just be a cool guy. Mando and the child, they come in, they land on Corvus. It's the name of the planet. And yep. uh, it's desolate. Even the plants yeah. look desolate. There's giant dewback like creatures. They walk into the, to the village and they talk to the vendor, which I like that they go, hey, vendor. It's like that scene in a half bake where they go janitor. You know, and he's like, yes, scientist. Uh, he did the same thing where he's like, hey, vendor. And the vendor just ran into their hut, you know, and then he was just like random guy. And that guy's like, ah, we should, you know, like chases the kids away. And then all of a sudden guards show up and they're like, what's this? And like, oh, I'm Mandalorian. They're like, oh, good. We'll take you right to magistrate. And she lives very well. She lives yes, very she well. There's a lot of plants that are alive. It's the only living plants on the planet you can find. Yeah, it was a, it was a very and, cool uh, garden, a uh, uh, little garden scene there. And uh, if you also look mm -hmm. at uh, the um, the circular kind of hut deal that she has, or I should say, is hut reminiscent of the of the Jabba the Hutt's palace, the way that the sure, yeah, no, all of the uh, it's all very shot, very samurai, but also very huttish. They yeah, sure so it was a combination a of, of those things. two, mm -hmm. definitely. And then she offers Mando a spear or a staff yes. to uh, kill Ahsoka Tano. And when I saw this scene, before they even said anything, I was like, just the staff? That better be a pure Beskar. Yep. And then he clicks it on his on his own uh, armor, and it made a noise. And I went, yep, that's pure Beskar, as if I know. You know, yeah. like I don't. And then, she, and then he goes, we're, we're suddenly We're suddenly blacksmiths. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm there with my Egon goggle, like, oh, sure, that that's gotta be it made the noise and he goes oh it's beskar and then she goes pure right and i was like see star wars just needs a second to catch up to me <laughs> but uh he accepts the mission only really to find out i think where she's at i don't think he actually had any intention yeah right and then uh and so he goes out to find ahsoka and they battle and that's when we discover that the beskar armor is lightsaber proof yes has that been established well, ever anywhere? Yes, it has. Um, so, so not to of, me. Oh, okay. well, so there's um, there's a little bit of backstory, uh, at least you know, that that I think is fleshed out in what's now referred to in the legends. But the the um, the armorer makes a comment about the the songs of eons ago, uh, talk of battles between the Mandalorian and Jedi and a sorcerer mm -hmm. uh, sorcerers called the Jedi. So the there's there's at least some establishment that the the commando armor and the all of the different sort of like batman-esque uh tricks that you have up your sleeve as a mandalorian a lot of them are uh to kill and hunt jedi um and so that so the part of why beskar is so sought after is that is that reason that lightsabers can't cut through it so um so that that has totally. been, at least at least has been established 
Um, but but yeah, so it was, oh, it it was cool to see it like that. Well, yeah, it was cool to see it in action where you know he throws his van bracers up and then uses that to do a block. And so you know the the defensive qualities of his armored suit really have come to the forefront for us. And I think this was like a giant like whoa like moment um, for us to see that in action. So. Yeah, and I knew Mandalorians could kill Jedi, and I knew that they hunted Jedi. I didn't yeah. know that they could withstand lightsabers, yeah. or if they had the right armor. And so that was incredible. I was, like, blown away. And then, of course, he drops Bo-Katan's name, like he wasn't getting in the club, and he goes, yep. well, uh, Bo-Katan sent me, and then everything stopped. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, I hope it's about that wee baby. Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> and that's how she said it. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that, that it was like, I hope it's to talk about him. Like, and, uh, and so I, I, I definitely liked, uh, like that. Mm -hmm. The other thing too, uh, that, that fight sequence, I mean, there's a bit of the, the whip, uh, or the fiber cord or whatever they call mm -hmm. his, his lasso, um, you know, a little bit of a nod to Boba Fett did that to Luke, um, with, in with, Jedi, wasn't it? Yeah, in Jedi yeah. on the on on that skiff platform that they were on mm -hmm. over the Sarlacc. Um, so, and then to see that sort of fight sequence, I thought was kind of a neat uh, way of sort of a, as an introduction, uh, a little bit of a nod mm -hmm. kind of to the Matrix, where they're like, in order for you to know someone, you must fight them. Uh, and I I feel mm -hmm. like that that was a, an interesting sort of of way for that introduction, and. Um, also, when um, Din decides to drop Bo-Katan's name, it's almost at, at a moment where he, he realizes, you know, <laughs> Ahsoka's a handful. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah, this isn't going well. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that was cool was watching him use his fire against a yeah. lightsaber. Because it didn't occur to me how useful that tool is when fighting Jedis. Because the lightsaber will take up whatever flame directly touches it, but the rest yeah. of it just goes around it. And I was yep. like brilliant that is a brilliant solution to lightsaber fighting um yeah and then so then ahsoka and the baby go off to go talk by the fire right like when i first saw it, my first watching i watched it twice now yeah they showed mando pacing in the background and i was like oh he's just nervous second time i was like oh he's left them alone because they're talking so they have like a full podcast worth of conversation uh yes and like he comes back and she starts spilling all of his beans. She yes. goes, Hey, I have a Grogu. And he's like, What the hell's a Grogu? <laughs> you know, and then she's like, Here are his chosen pronouns. He goes by him and he, which uh, I know that's a joke, but at the same time, to me, the whole time, I've been like, We've never confirmed this is a boy. Yep. We, there's no thing or there's nothing that's ever insinuated a gender. And so now that like she was able to actually have a direct conversation and then went ahead and did he and him, I was like, that's confirmed. Yep. And then there's like a back history, a, a good one where he's got multiple masters and uh, had to get hidden after the clone wars. And I have no idea if he ever met Yoda or not. I can't imagine he hasn't met Yoda. Yeah. I would have to imagine that he did. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing, well, one, I, um, when we look at the the way of uh, rolling out the Grogu name, I felt like the mm -hmm. that the way that the way that the child responds to Din calling him Grogu was a brilliant little bit of like you know when you almost when you tell your dog something that like that like distinguished head tilt um and then just to see that kind of in a repetitive mm -hmm. uh as he's like you know like what are you really kidding me his name is grogu 
and uh, in that little um, aspect. Yeah, but then he looks. He looks, and it's a, and it's, and so it's that moment of you know we we're not sure that the baby understands, right? So we go back to um, uh, we go back to chapter twelve when they have that um, that you know uh, Grogu's first attempt at being a uh, starship electrician. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of in this thing of like, okay, Mando's so desperate that he's trying to give the baby directions and we don't know if he's really understanding or comprehending that. And so mm-hmm. the name also is a bit of like, Hey, he really does understand or he is following what's going on here. So that I thought mm-hmm. that was, um, was interesting as well. And, you know, we do get Ahsoka saying, you know, I, I've only known one of his species before. So we get the Grandmaster Yoda, um, mm-hmm. confirmation that. which they play a little bit of yoda's theme underneath that which yep. i got excited by because before she dropped the name it played a little bit and i was like oh she's dropping yoda and yeah. then she said yoda's name and i was like well that cat's out of the bag and then she kind of like insinuated towards anakin and then i was like oh she's dropping anakin but doesn't say his name and i was like oh that's for me still you yeah. know like that's for people who pay attention and it is for the casual fan it is really it's right there that she is talking about the attachment the Grogu has towards Mando is very similar to the attachment that Anakin had towards Padme. Totally. Totally. And the, the also um, they're in, in that. Um, so, you know, like not to pull us too far away from that beginning part of the revelation, the revelations that, mm-hmm. that kind of, are you know, what the info that we get dropped about Grogu's backstory, but mm-hmm. then that nod about um, Ahsoka saying, that she's seen what this can do to a well-trained Jedi Knight. Um, that's a significant. The best of us. Yeah, well, the best of us, and what you know. So she's calling out that specifically to Anakin. Um, that is a really a confirmation to the end of season two um, in in Star Wars Rebels. Um, so the mm. end of season two Star Wars Rebels, um, Ahsoka faces faces a Vader. Uh, you know, faces Vader at that point. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's, it's, it's an artful connection to those pieces, like you said, uh, accessible to, um, accessible to an, an average fan, but also mm-hmm. deeper cut to those that have watched, um, you know, Clone Wars and, uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah. Super cool. I also like that the closed captioning now calls, uh, the baby Grogu for the rest of the episode. Yes. It does. The whole series it is like over. baby coos, and now it's like Grogu coos. It like yep. understands that like that's the point to switch over, and it didn't do that at any point prior to the introduction. Yep, you know that whole earlier part of the episode it could have, but didn't. And then when it was just like, because then Ahsoka takes him to do like little Jedi training in the morning. Yep, does little stone thing, and it's like, oh, he doesn't understand. He's like, he does, and I was like, does he understand that he was eating some babies just a couple <laughs> episodes earlier? <laughs> like i would have some serious questions like i got i do have follow-up questions that he understands does he understand red, red and blue does he understand eggs <laughs> does he understand how he's really effed me over sometimes this little guy yeah, the situations he's created mm-hmm, exactly but then they also brought back around the little ball from the ship that was a great little thing just to show his attachment to the razor crest yeah. We know he likes that ball, but there is an attachment to the Razor Crest itself and Mando and his new life, which, of course, uh, is the first time he, I guess he's felt not terribly afraid because he's kind of been pushing down his own powers, turns out. Um, but then the big thing happens, which I thought was super cool, was for um, for her to deny the training. 
Yeah. Be like, I I'm not going to train Grogu. I did not expect that at all. I thought it was like, oh, she's now a part of the journey and the training, and she's Obi-Wan Kenobi to Luke, and not at all. So you had, you and I prior were, you know, kind of speculating about what we were going to, what was going to happen. Right. And I mm-hmm. sort of said something to the effect of like, I'm afraid that, you know, we're going to see her at the end of, of, um, end of the episode. We're not going to get very much. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a giant tease or, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to get to Corvus and it's going to be sort of, uh, you know, your princess is in another castle. And so, yeah. so I was really happy with the pace and tone of, of, um, the episode and because it had led so early on i was you know assuming that she's she's now basically part of the razor or she's going to be joining the razor crest crew kind of a um situation mm-hmm. and i did not expect her one i didn't expect her basically to give give back to grogu the master yoda comments about anakin right like uh you yeah. know, same same reason for anakin being rejected originally and and then also to to and this is a you know a little off a little off the um, path, but Ahsoka is no longer part of the Jedi Order, and so I thought she would be more in the vein of Qui Gon, where she would see the potential in someone like Grogu, and, and mm-hmm. that would be why she would want to train him. Uh, her being more of a gray Jedi or more of this in between category that we really don't have a sort of word for. Um, which is kind of what Rise of Skywalker was hinting at, right? Of a mix, a mix of the light and the dark. And so for her to to stick to her light side training in that way and basically say, look, it's too dangerous and mm-hmm. and he should just let his abilities fade. I thought that was just a not I not at all expecting that as a as an outcome. Yeah, which initially I thought was because she left the Jedi Order. I knew that much about her. Yeah. But I did not realize that it was because, I mean, like she explains it well, because of Anakin, where I was just like, no, 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 no. This is very dangerous to give a hardest this power in a person who's now growing emotional attachments to other things. Because it's almost like the Jedis are really about more about balance than they are about power or anything. And yeah. so because there's so much about balance, they can't have attachments because yeah, and that's, that destroys that's, balance. Totally. And that's a callback, right, to um, to episode two with Anakin and the whole Padme love story about mm-hmm. attachments. And, you know, you see yeah. there's that sort of piece comes uh, comes in there as well. So, it you know, it, it mm-hmm. definitely it definitely was <laughs> definitely wasn't what I was expecting. Uh, and mm-hmm. and I really I really did, even though that those sequences were um, pretty short. I was, you know, definitely glued to what was going on during those. Uh, those. I was glued to every word of it. Somewhere yeah. around this point is when the owl shows up. There's an owl yes. just sitting there. Yeah. Andy, I asked you to explain that to me earlier, but can you explain to the listener totally. what the owl is doing? The detail of the owl, the Easter egg. So the Easter egg of the owl, um, this is in, I, I don't know the exact season, but, but Ahsoka dies in Clone Wars. So Ahsoka, spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah. So so well, we know she, you know, she's alive. So uh so there's there's a little bit of of we we talked a little bit about this just to to do a little meta conversation quickly about 
what do we do for things that are going to potentially spoil something for you in the Clone Wars or in uh, Star Wars Rebels? And so mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like what level we'll cover in this won't, har- won't harm any of your enjoyment of any of those series. So if we do, if we do then feel free to leave us a review and talk about it. Uh, and offer whatever rating mm-hmm. you feel is warranted. But so my favorite's the five star reviews that pan us. Yes, I love five star reviews that pan us. So there's one of the more bizarre episodes in Clone Wars is called is where Obi Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka go to this planet called Mortis, and it's meant to be sort of the the tragedy of of the Force playing out throughout the universe. So there's a father, a brother, and a daughter, and through the actions of what's going on and Anakin. And uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka being there, Ahsoka is killed. And they, they basically resurrect Ahsoka through the light side powers of the daughter. And at that point, powers of the daughter in that storyline are conferred upon Ahsoka. And after that point, the daughter's owl starts following Ahsoka around. And so it becomes almost like uh, mm-hmm. Ahsoka's force guardian angel or spirit animal, however you'd like to uh, sort of interpret it. It's definitely open for interpretation because they don't tell you exactly like what's going on. So that's something that is is part of Clone Wars. And then there's, I'll be somewhat vague because I think you, people are more likely to watch uh, Rebels. I would highly encourage you to watch Star Wars Rebels, but that owl helps lead Ahsoka to be saved in uh, at, at a particular point in Rebels. And so this owl has a connection. To so it is Ahsoka. cool. It's super cool. Um, the owl yeah. is also done by the same... The owl is done in sort of the same motif as the wren that appears on Sabine Wren's um, shoulder piece, her uh, her pauldron of her mm. uh, Beskar armor. So they're they're oh, you know, clearly not the same thing, but there's there's a little bit of a style cue yeah. between those two characters in in that. And so um, so it is a like I had said to you like it's a deep cut, like this is not something that you know most people yeah. are necessarily going to pick up. So I think that it was really skillful, but on added. purpose. Yeah, but totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and that's the whole point of this podcast is showing you these purposeful things that are just like right there in front of us. They can easily be overlooked. Um, so then uh, Mando and Ahsoka decide to team up to storm the castle. Yes. And I think they do a brilliant job. Very samurai of them to send her in first as if she's yes. the only one attacking. And then all of a sudden second wave comes with Mando. They take off the guards and Mando and Lieutenant Lang are left face to face. And then Ahsoka jumps over the wall to fight the magistrate. And I thought that was so brilliantly Western to have the two of them sitting there having a conversation where they could only hear the battle that's happening. And we get to see this epic battle. Oh, and the dialogue couldn't be better. Like to me, it's like, oh, this is absolutely perfection. I can't imagine how this worked better. Cause like, there is like this weird calmness, but there is like, oh, well, one of us is gonna die, but it's not up to us. So there's no reason for us to battle. Yeah, you know, like we're both hired like- guns, right? You know, like yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I think the thing, you know, Lang, 
Lang spots uh, that Din is really, you know, he's a hunter. Uh, is you know, he asks mm-hmm. him if he's a hunter, and then he asks what guild he's in uh, before they let him in, right? So like they both, it was sort of skill recognizing skill to a certain extent, right? Like like Din says, you know, hey, this guy's ex-military. I know, I know he's got training. Like I know they're, you know, he's not just mm-hmm. there, uh, you know, out of out of his loyalty to the magistrate. Like he realizes that the guy's, you know, is someone to to not be trifled with, and so to have that and then for Lang to be playing that you know like whose side will win you know I guess we'll just have to you know sit here and listen to what's going on Um, and and sure we'll be ashamed if it was one of them Terminator machines you're like okay (laughs) well and you know they did that really uh, there's a few sequences when when you know when Soka's coming in it's you know very samurai uh, um, yeah um, so you know like the the visual so the writing of this episode was great the cinematography and everything else was amazing as well they did a, a really excellent job of being able to pull all those elements in oh for sure um i mean dave filoni should be making the star wars movies um but yeah. if he's just going to go ahead and give us that quality episodically i'm fine with that too yeah totally you know like this that. is this is totally the best star wars that's happened in my lifetime and i'm so excited by it and for reasons like this, for scenes like this, for shots like this, for battles like this, she puts on a great battle with the Beskar staff. And uh, and of course, Magistrate loses and honorably says where her, her uh, reveals where her boss is. But she also reveals that her boss is Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yes, Grand Huge Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn, giant. I remember Grand Admiral Thrawn from Heir of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Air of the Empire was a series uh, that my brother read in the 90s. Yep. It's probably... And I forget what Super Nintendo game it was that came out for it. Yeah, I don't know if he was in... But the... I had it. If he was in... Was he in the game? I, I just know... He so wasn't. That... No, no. IG-88 was like one of the bigger bosses in that game. But there was... He, he couldn't fight him. But I want to say he had dialogue in the game. But it was like... Yeah. He's, he's a character I never thought would become a live action thing. Nor did I ever think he was going to become canon. I know yeah. that he did make an appearance. Was it in Rebels? He made an appearance in Rebels. So technically speaking, he's canon in, in that regard. Um, but you mm-hmm. know, like it, it for for those that know, you know. So when when Disney purchased the um, Disney purchased everything, um, there's a lot of of things that were sort of beloved parts of the Star Wars universe that became. You know, in, when we say the term legends, that's another way of saying mm-hmm. that was part of the expanded universe. So when people really get excited about things coming into Mandalorian, part of the reason they're excited is because now that that's a like a full acknowledgement that these characters are now in the canon universe. And so Grand Admiral Thrawn oh, was for sure. the main character in uh, a Timothy Zahn um, trilogy of books that are, may be some of the some of people's most favorite books um, and maybe the best Star Wars definitely the most popular. ever written. Yeah, yeah. I know my brother, I know my brother had read them and really had, you know, he raved about them as well. So, so, so Thrawn coming into Rebels was a big deal. And the other thing is that Thrawn is kind of like, he's like the philosopher king, or like, if you know who Marcus Aurelius is, like, he is like the Marcus Aurelius or the Sun Tzu of the Star Wars universe. He's considered to be the greatest uh, strategic mind of the entire universe. He's at least the, the most decorated of the imperial navy um he's a chiss which is this blue skin red eyed um they live uh, outside of the main system which we were learning about in the siege so they're kind of in the uncharted areas 
And he's somebody who knows martial arts. He knows art. He knows all of these things demonstrate. This is a, a plot line of him uh, in Rebels. And, you know, he oh. keeps uh, Dark uh, DT series, Dark Trooper and um, uh, uh, centuries and, and duels them and like fights them sparring. So, uh, again, a nod to our you know, last episode where we get you know part of we get to see part of what we think or what we're suspecting is um part of the dark trooper program so thrawn being mentioned here is mm -hmm. really quite interesting um we we know at least from sort of how things have played out that ahsoka is looking for thrawn um yeah it's not mentioned why uh well we can leave to the end some you know thoughts about that but if you watch star wars rebels you'll know why or part of why okay <clears throat> I'm curious, like I've said like in the other previous episodes, I know that what they've established in the past, I'm curious if they're establishing the same in the future. Um, I don't know. I'm going to let them unravel totally. it however they want to unravel it. And uh, which leads to, of course, Ahsoka winning. The town goes back into like they see plants again. So it's like they yeah. got access to water again. So like you show that like the town is going to look okay. The old man is now being like revered. I don't know as a mayor or whatnot, or as a king. He seems to be getting some kind of medal. Yeah, I don't understand he, why, but he's being celebrated. He's been like it, they basically. I believe they there's at some one of the credits that he's referred to as Chancellor Wing. Um, do you know the back, okay, do you so know the backstory that the guy that plays him, the actor, is is actually a Disney Imagineer. Um, Oh, so what? this was yeah this was like a nod uh to them including um he's one of i think he's one of the more senior disney imagineers but um but yeah his i uh, they call him chancellor wing i think and his first name is oh. wing um but yeah i thought that was a really cool um little bit to be able to have the That's you know super the, cool yeah so um i think i'm trying to remember um i heard that on I think I heard that on uh, Ryan Airy had posted something about that. It's one of the Easter eggs that, that Ryan Airy had mentioned. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, oh, I mean, that's the, super cool. And the then ending uh, two was a little bit of the lifting, like kind of, we, we saw a little bit of the transformation in Navarro. Right. So, you know, like what Navarro under better control now went from being similarly, uh, similarly uh, gray and bummed out as Kaladin at the beginning. And now we see sort of mm -hmm. a lifting of that. So that's great. And yeah, so of course she tries to offer him the Beskin staff. Yes. He declines, which is super honorable. I didn't think that was going to be where that was going to go. And I thought maybe she was going to offer the staff for something minute, but instead she just talks him into it for a, it deserves to be with a Mandalorian. Yeah. And so he was like, fine, I'll take this staff, <laughs> which of course uh, people have already foreshadowed into that means we're going to see some battle with lightsabers in the future where the staff's going to show up. I uh, don't want to get too far into the rumors. And then, uh, yeah, and he's like, okay, let me get the child because he did it so she could train the child. Yes. And she's like, I guess he took too long because she showed up at the ship. She was like, nah, we're going to have this conversation here and now, play. I'm not going to wait for you to come back to town. And she denies him again, but tells him about taking him to a Jedi temple in Tython. Yes. Which I uh, had to look up that planet. It showed up in a video game in uh, 2016, but that, I believe that's the first appearance of it. And it's an old Jedi temple. Yeah, there's a legends. And appearance. isn't it abandoned? It's, a, it's it's abandoned. There's a legends appearance in it. I think in one of the Darth Bane books, and then I think in the comics, yeah. Vader ends up there. But it's it's 
it's mentioned as being one of these places. So, you know, in, in last Jedi or when we, when we lose Luke, right. When Mm -hmm. we don't know where Luke is um, in the, in seven and eight, um, Tython is one of these places that they, they would have started looking for him. Um, So there's, you know, there's an old Jedi Mm -hmm. temple there. um, And, you know, apparently the instructions are from Ahsoka to, to bring uh, Grogu to the top of the mountain. And there's a seeing stone at the top of the mountain. And then he can decide, which I, I do, I do appreciate the, Mm -hmm. that sort of nod there. And it, it seems like a little bit, or potentially like the similar rock that Luke has Ray sitting on and meditating on, and that Luke is mm-hmm. meditating on at the end of uh, Last Jedi. So, um, Achu, I'm excited to see the temple because in my mind, I went yeah. to uh, Last Airbender. Okay. You know, like Avatar the cartoon, not the movie. Yeah. You sickos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Where he has to go to his abandoned temple of the the Airbenders. And what that was like, you know, like a floating, it was just a floating island and there was a lot of statues of those in the past and he had special keys that he could only go through because of the airbending. Um, but but it, it did have a very cool feel and I expect something similar. Yeah. But also, I'll, I'll accept anything cool. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the other uh, thing too- Who knows what that's going to be like. The, the situation now is, is that, you know, this opens the door- um, you know, fans are going crazy with speculation of who might who might be like tuned in to like K Jedi uh, that you could yeah. broadcast. Oh, just because we didn't get out. to the last oh, the oh, sentence yeah. of the at the end of the episode is that Grogu will then choose his own path. He can call out if he wants a Jedi Master to train him or not. That's up to him. And then there'd be a beacon, and the Jedi would show up and train him. Whether yeah, he if, even gets one or not, if is there's a Jedi listening, right? That was where I was going with yeah. my, my radio. Uh, By the way, if a Jedi is listening to this right now, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Of course. Uh, we'll get you in touch with Grogu. <laughs> I'm going to go to the stores right now with a Sharpie and start crossing off the child on them and start <laughs> Grogu until they kick me off. And I'm like, but that's canon. <laughs> uh, it is. And, you know, I have a feeling that it's not going to shake the baby Yoda uh, moniker. So it's not going to shake the baby Yoda moniker. It's strong. But even when that started after like episode one or two, when baby Yoda just became, when we started calling it, I was like, people are going to get so mad when they find out that the yep. baby has a name, you know, like, cause I've always said, and made the jokes, we're going to find out this baby is not so much a baby. Yeah. This baby is playing the baby card in his favor. It's and a 50 year old man. And we did get a bit of that, right? Where he's hiding yeah. his powers. Mm-hmm. Um, that that may have been a nod to um, to Ray discovering that Luke had shut off um, him himself from the Force. Um, so I was I was you know like a little curious about about that. What, you know what you thought mm-hmm. about that in the dark period? I guess you know like what. Mm-hmm. There's so much we don't know still, right? So, I consider his dark period to be like when Chappelle was just in Ohio for ten years, not releasing comedy. <laughs> like that's. That's essentially what Grogu's dark period is to me. Um, and okay, yeah, we've reached the episode. Were there any big background things that I missed that you wanted to go into further detail with? I mean, there was a couple big characters mentioned and shown, yeah. but I feel like a lot of it, the history, like a lot of what really happened was straightforward and told to us. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, it was so, um, you know, you had, you had mentioned in the past when we've talked about this, that, you know, it's been somewhat of a tour de force from uh, Favreau in, in writing. And so Filoni gets the writing credit for this episode, plus is the mm-hmm. director for this episode. Um, and so, I, you know, that 
I think mm-hmm. was was one thing just to mention. Um, and aside, I just I think this is cool. I don't you know like this isn't really a big Star Wars thing, but we talked a little bit about Michael Bean and his connection to Tombstone and Terminator and stuff. Um, the magistrate uh, Morgan Elsbeth, who's is connected to Thrawn, um, that's uh, Bruce Lee's goddaughter, uh, Diane uh, Diane Lee Inosanto. Her dad mm-hmm. is. I saw Dan. that. Her dad. Yeah. Her dad is Dan Inosanto, who was a protege of of Bruce Lee and had you know run martial arts schools um, in the greater like Los Angeles area. So she's been a stunt woman for a, a number of years. So I thought it was cool to I was gonna say like if you look at her IMDb, the majority of it's stunt work and it's yes. stunt work in huge movies, speaking yep. roles in minor ones, and uh, she crushes it. She does a great job. Yeah, if you look at some of the backstory for her too, like she's so impressive that that they took scripts where they had a male character and put her in in place of the male character, and she's you know she's still doing fight work That's against great. whoever is you know is is her opponent. So that was one well, yeah. um, little if bit. It's good, and then she's gonna pull it off. Yeah. Let it. And then the the then the one thing. So um, there's a. Um, there's another podcast called Imaginary Worlds. They do a summary of Ahsoka Tano and um, they talk a little bit with cosplayers about the, the people that cosplay Ahsoka Tano. The bit, most difficult thing for them is to put together the, the uh, Leku and Montral, which are the Montral are the horns that are uh, on her head. And then the Leku are the head tails. So uh, mm-hmm. Ahsoka is a, is a, uh, Togruta, not a, a Twi'lek. Every once in a while, someone would be like, "Well, she's Twi'lek, right?" And I'm like, I have to like hold back my nerd response. But um, but so a lot of so some of the things people are talking about is is the fact that her Leku they grow with age, and so if you've hmm. seen her in other things, they should have been longer. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious if we get a behind the scenes here, we may find out you know like why they are shorter. She can cut them. They, well, they may have they may have been just annoying, right? From a pro- yeah. they may be practical. So there's a lot of things you can do in animation that become annoying in re- in live action. But that's one of the things uh, that people that are big fans, especially the people that cosplay um, Ahsoka. That's you know one of the the see. Now I saw those and I went, oh, they did a good job of not making that annoying. Because yeah. I was like, when they're like, we're gonna have Ahsoka Tano, you're like, it's gonna be 50-50 if it looks good or cheesy. Yeah, I think she looked. You really are looked really the fine good. Line. Yeah. So I think she looked and acted perfectly. Like I really, I have zero complaint about yeah. every single aspect of this episode. I feel like it was pulled off masterfully. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, like I would the, give it a uh, 10 voices. out of 10 Grogu Kus. <laughs> I, I would <laughs> yeah. give it. Uh, I've definitely seen a lot of some spheres. negative things on the internet. So you have seen that too. Okay. Oh, 10 pure Bespin spheres. Yes. I've seen some negative stuff about it for sure. And I read it and I just went, well, you're just being too fanny. Yeah. You are taking ownership over what you need out of this, but you're not just letting it experience it. If you just sit back and experience it, it's still very extremely enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, You're not going to be able to name the characters yourself. You're not going to be able to tell them what to say. So let go of that. So I think that's it for this episode, Andy. Is this the way? That's what the Navi computer says. Are you going to change your catchphrase on me?